This podcast addresses death, difficult emotional content, and contains profanity. Listen mm-hmm. with your own motherfucking discretion. <laughs> <laughs> Get your kids. This is Grief After Dark. Hi, Dee. Hey, Mickey. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Grief After Dark. Oh, my gosh. Season three. Season three, episode two. Two. I guess. Yes. And, um, we have a really special guest with us, Mickey. So, God, I don't even know. I don't even know how to give this one a leader. This is someone that I've known, gosh, probably a couple of decades. But he hasn't known me that long. And on that note, (laughs) our guest today um, is someone that I have had the pleasure of sort of re-getting to know over the last few years. The most interesting man is really up for grabs. This person's story is really pretty incredible. And he's an incredible person, not just because of his experience, but who he's become because of his experiences and where this experience has led him. So I'll let him tell his own story with no further ado. We bring to you Esteban Vigil. Hey. Hello, Esteban. How's it Hello. going? Welcome to the party again. <laughs> yeah, welcome again to the party. We had a pre-production meeting. And uh, we had some laughs. You know, y'all know how we do. Like, it's how we do. And now yeah. I will announce that the beverage I brought today is Pendejo Porter. Which I believe <laughs> lived at my house a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> true story. I did leave that beer at your home. That was I was like, story. ooh. <laughs> Salute. Thanks. Thanks for leaving us beer on your last. Oh, yeah. So why don't you tell us in 20 words or less? No, I'm kidding. Okay. Oh my God. Um, just tell us a little <laughs> bit about you and where you're from and um, a little bit of your background and then, um, your life altering junction. Cool. 20 words or less. Let's see. No, <laughs> did I say 20? I meant 20,000, 20,000. I'll keep it under 20 minutes. How about that? <laughs> I, we don't even need to do that. The floor is yours. <laughs> I'm let it. It's fine. Yeah. So I was actually born and raised in the same town, uh, as your husband, Tim, Española, New Mexico, small northern New Mexico town, grew up on a ranch, bored out of my mind in that small town, so bored that I was, you know how bored I was? I wanted to be student body president, and I wanted to be senior class president, but you couldn't be both as a senior, so I got an amendment made to the school constitution so I could be student body president as a junior and senior class president as a senior. That's how bored I was in this town. And clearly always the under yeah so I got out of dodge uh right after high school I mean when I was in high school I did a lot of traveling through like youth organizations in the city and um I was always just trying to get out and see the world so I did I, I left at 18 years old and and moved out to Los Angeles and that's when I met your husband and we watched all four Lethal Weapon movies in a row one night and then watched Braveheart. And then he met you like the next day or something like that. So It was really <laughs> soon thereafter. Yeah. And you, if my understanding of the story goes, you all were just kind of shell-shocked 
moving from small town New Mexico to like the chaos of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Tim said he didn't drive any further than the gas station to get coffee creamer and cigarettes for like a month and a half. Yeah, that sounds like Tim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was a little bit more adventurous. I mean, I, I toured Europe when I was like 17. Uh, did like seven countries, I think, and and not even 30 days or something. But yeah, so I, I was used to I just, actually just got back from a semester abroad in London. I was at the University of Roehampton over the winter. Uh, that was fun. Anyway, back to it. Uh, I moved in 99 to Los Angeles. 9-11 happened. And I joined the military. Actually, I joined the Air Force as a medic. I think the, you know, the country was so far from where it is now. And, you know, we guys of that generation, our 9-11 generation, like we were watching Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers. And then this thing happens and we're like, sign us the fuck up. Mm. And uh, I was one of those guys, assigned on the dotted line, joined the Air Force. I was a medic for six years, deployed a couple times. Uh, then I got tired of deploying. So I switched jobs. I went from being a medic to a satellite operator, which is like, how do we say this? You just command and con- what can I tell you without having to kill you? Uh, <laughs> we would all appreciate it. Is it just, you know, you're going to have to kill us and our 20 loyal listeners. So <laughs> no, it's, uh, it was like eagle eye enemy of the state type stuff, even though it's crazy because Hollywood glamorizes you know they're like oh yeah just move the satellite over here like no the satellite is moving at seventeen thousand miles an hour around the earth's orbit there's no way we're moving it five feet to the right but anyway i can't watch movies like that now because because i know that yep um so i did satellite ops for a few years and then i was uh, a first sergeant for the last three and the reason i got out of the military was because i was actually at a, a training in alabama and i was in a car accident where I had a traumatic brain injury and because of that traumatic brain injury, I have what's called dissociative amnesia. So I was 34 years old at the time of the accident and I was taken back to infancy. Essentially, I had to learn how to tie my shoes, ABCs, uh, the whole deal. I was just like a baby again, which is kind of an amazing thing to do in an adult body because our senses and things have been honed in, so to speak. But my learning experience was, you know, learning how to read as a 34-year-old. I picked up reading in a week. And then before you knew it, I started reading books. And then they taught me what a computer was. And... When I learned what a computer was and started watching television again, I just started like downloading the matrix into the back of my brain. So about nine months after I would be watching the news and I distinctly remember watching the news and the the weather person came on and said, oh, uh, there's going to be ping pong size hail in Lancaster tomorrow. And I said, what the hell is a ping pong? So I'm Googling ping pong as I'm watching the news and uh ping pong table comes up and table tennis and the rules of them and where it was invented. And then an image of Forrest Gump because he's associated with ping pong. And I said, what the heck is Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump film, 1994, Tom Hanks, Oscar winner, blah, 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 blah. Netflix play Forrest Gump. I start watching Forrest Gump as I continue to Google and fill my brain. So I learned 
all pop culture from like VH1, remember the 80s, remember the 90s. Like that's <laughs> how I got to experience the things that I had never remembered experiencing because of the amnesia. Wow. And here we are today. Uh, was that 2,000 words? <laughs> it's, it is all, it's not enough words. Mm. It's, it's honestly, it's so funny. So the thing that happens here is that we, we kind of fall into sync and we are doing it right now. And you don't even know because I just watched Forrest Gump with my son. Um, this year we're doing this thing where I'm introducing him to films of the nineties. So we did eighties last year, this year is the nineties and Forrest Gump is one of my favorite films, but not because I have a connection to it. I used to work at Paramount Pictures and I used to sit on that bench that he was sitting on all the time. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So more connections. Uh, Mickey, you might've even been there uh, when Jeremiah was running the bungee company. One of my favorite stories. So here's, here's, a, here's, here's something for you. Like I cannot remember all of these stories, but I know that they exist. And in reality, when we remember things, we don't remember them the way they actually happened. We taint them a little bit with our own little paintbrush, right? So Kim and Jeremiah told me the stories about how we would go bungee jumping in the dark mm-hmm. in off of this bridge in the middle of nowhere, California. Mm-hmm. And we had this matrix ramp that we would have to... The game was to, I think you you said like a line from the matrix and you ran up the ramp and jumped off. And then like, if you had your wits about you, when he popped up on the other side, you, uh, you say another line. And I think it was Jeremiah that told me his, dude, your, your line was so cool. Your line was so cool. You're like, <laughs> you started at the bottom of the ramp and you're like, good morning, Mr. Anderson. And then you run off the ramp and you jumped and then the other side popped up and you're like, my name is Neo. <laughs> Off a of bungee cord. So good. So oh, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have our own bungee experience story together. <laughs> yeah, long story short, Dee and I and her husband, Adam, and Tim, and I think one other friend of ours, went to go up to the bridge and we got a little bit later start than we were hoping. And it was starting to get a little dark, but the bigger problem was storms had come through and Mm -hmm. it washed the trail out really bad. And so we missed part of the trail and it literally ended up in the middle of fucking nowhere in Azusa Canyon. And we had a little bit of beer and a little bit of weed. And it turned out, thank God, God, for whatever the fuck reason. And a grande taco meal. Adam, Adam doesn't a, go anywhere without food. Taco Bell in his freaking bag. And we were supposed to eat, like, they had carne asada and all this great stuff at the bridge where we couldn't find them. We didn't have nearly enough water. We're hiking out the next day. And, like, I turn around to look at my friend, and his eyes are completely bloodshot. He's so dehydrated. But I swear to God, and D's got really bad sciatica and like my knees are shot. But at some point we're sitting on the side of this hill and I look up and it was the first time I consciously remember seeing the Milky Way. And I was like, well, it's better than watching TV. And I think <laughs> it, it took all of Dion's restraint to not punch me in the neck. <laughs> right. I was like, listen, yeah. I ain't never fucking doing this shit again. I'm like, y'all got me out here. Yep. 
we're gonna be on the news. <laughs> yeah. And they're gonna be like, ooh, the black lady. Fuck y'all. Get me out of here. <laughs> those connections <laughs> though, like in the wilderness. <laughs> all those random, all you, these threads that connect everybody. Yeah. Are you mm-hmm. ready for another one? Yes. Oh. <laughs> That canyon leads to Pasadena somewhere, right? And yep. before mm-hmm. my accident, I actually had a, a another encounter where I was running in the trails that me and Jeremiah used to run when we were young men. And um, I had like a heart murmur, like a heart defect, and I fainted and I fell down a crevasse like 80 feet or something like that. And a helicopter had to pull me out. And so I've been there. Don't worry about the The, the, the helicopter will come. You're good to go. <laughs> Yeah, thankfully we didn't need a helicopter. Thanks for putting that in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> thankfully we did not need a helicopter, but you know what? That's where my mind was. I'm like, listen, who is gonna find me? <laughs> who is gonna find me? <laughs> yeah, I, I've been in the wilderness quite a lot, and that didn't feel very wildernessy until we got lost. And yeah, that, yeah. Is, that was I, the first and hopefully last time I experienced those emotions, because fuck that. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Estella, my question for you is like, how was that experience for you? Like reinserting, do you recall how that affected you? Does it still affect you? Absolutely. Let's start from the beginning. Um, So just like a toddler would be bright lights, uh, sound, Mm -hmm. it's hot, it's cold. Everything was just overwhelming. Right. I yeah. really, really think that we're born with these antennas that as we're being coddled by our mothers and held, Shh, it's okay, we turn those things off. Yeah. There was a period of time in the beginning that I vaguely remember, but I could like see auras. I could see energy. I could see, if you look at any of uh, Vincent van Gogh's um, self-portraits, that was how I saw people. I saw their energy coming off of their face and body. And it, and I had to learn how to turn it off because it's like Superman. You come to earth and all you hear is everyone's voices screaming. And I couldn't go to the grocery store because the refrigerators, the little motors that it, you won't notice them until now. Right. And the next time you go to the grocery store, walk in the refrigerator section and just listen. And those motors are going off. And so again, I th- I just think because I was kind of kicked back to infancy, all those things just turned back on. And I experienced the world, maybe what a, a, a baby does, but I was able to learn very rapidly. So what happened is when I was in the hospitals and all these doctors were giving me these tests, the people that are around me that love me, if I was doing good on the test, they'd be happy. And that made me happy. But if I didn't do good on the test, they get very sad and they start crying. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't want that to happen. So what do you do? You cling to just show me how to do it right. And I'll just do it right. Yeah. Also like when we were kids. Yeah. So I don't think that my experience with the exception of it happening when I was 34 years old is any different than the way a child experiences the world every day. Right. And you keep saying that. And I want to like piggyback off of that because like in I have children and in my parenting like that's something that I have to remember like all the time is that they're very new here and I have to remind them too like you just got here bro (laughs) 
you just got here and you're learning how to manage all of these really big things. And so, um, even with like neurodivergence and stuff like that, I think that those things don't turn off all the way, but I think that's what our natural state is. So you keep saying that. And I'm like, that's our natural state that. Yes. Yeah. But in the same breath, I love everything that you're saying, but I'm reminded of Ernest Hemingway and Ernest Hemingway said, happiness in an intelligent person is the rarest thing I know because all those antennas are on and you feel the good and the bad. That's where it's meant to be, though. I love Ernest Hemingway, by the way. I just quoted him just the other day. Movable beast. <laughs> like, anyway, we will the same. Yeah, we are. We're, same we're, we're all that same. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And unfortunate that it had to come to you that way. And like, do you think that you process things differently now and you respond differently now i don't know like if you can remember how you responded before versus how you respond to things now yeah um way differently so i i think the accident probably saved my life i was not dealing with my stressors i was just kind of adding it to the checklist of things that you do um Mm -hmm. one thing that will help you understand this is when I was a first sergeant in the Air Force, um, there's no more easy problems, right? Like if someone's haircut or their their uniform's out of regs, that, that's some supervisor stuff. That better not make it to my level. Otherwise, my entire chain of command is not doing their job. My job is three o'clock in the morning, the phone rings, and it's the commander. And the commander's like, hey, one of your guys beat up his wife last night. He's in jail. You're going to have to go bail him out. Oh, by the way, I think he deploys in seven days with the rest of the people. You're going to have to find him a replacement. Good luck. And that's a three o'clock in the morning phone call that you get. That's the level of stressors that I was dealing with or not dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I think when that car hit that tree and my head hit the car, my brain was like, you know what? You're not dealing with this. So here's your, here's your chance. Here's your, here is your reset because this isn't functioning anymore between mind and body. And you need to make that work and make that happen. Had I not had this accident, perhaps I would be having a heart attack right now, you know, bald, getting ready to get out of the military at, yeah, sure. But maybe at the highest level, but who, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. But I think that if I would continue on the path that I was going down and not dealing with the things that I needed to deal with, it was leading in the same direction. I just, it happened at 34 instead of whatever, you know, a lot of military and police and fire and these guys and gals that deal with nothing but emergencies, they retire and they'll, they'll, they'll have a heart attack or they'll have these health problems because they only know how to operate at that super high emergency frequency that we shouldn't be operating at all the time. That's a fight or flight mechanism and it can't be used to sustain life. It needs to be using emergencies. Hallelujah. I don't know how to tie this in, but I swear it relates to that story. Could you sort of see glimmers of who you were in the way people sort of treated you and reacted to you? Absolutely. So again, I mean, I was in military care when this happened, right? So I'm there because of the the school that I was attending out there. I'm there with these high level people and... I had no preconceptions of any kind of people. In fact, I have very 
very, very little from the actual hospital and my stay in Alabama altogether. But when I got back to LA and was reintroduced to this military community and family, I could tell that one, the people that were around me loved me very much. And two, they had lost their leader. They mm-hmm. couldn't find him in me anymore because I was not that person anymore. But then what they did is they set up this email account and, and I told them, just send me your stories. Send me anything that will help me, you know, recognize who you are and who we were. And in those emails from my troops, I found myself again and I found my first sergeantness again. And I still use it. I'm I'm taking welding classes right now. And in the military, they're just saying they're like, oh, do you have any kids? I'm like, no, I don't have any kids, but I 87 kids that I have to take care of because I have 87 troops. Yeah. <laughs> so those troops taught me what I was and what I meant to be, even though I can't wear the uniform and, you know, have the diamond on the shoulder or whatever. I am very good at, at helping people along. You know, we we're talking about that a little bit earlier where you got somebody you're trying to follow somebody you're competing with and somebody bringing up. I got a lot of people that I was bringing up and I cherish those friendships because I still get texts and calls and all that kind of stuff all the time. And if I hear that somebody's having a baby, I shoot them a text like, Oh, first sergeant, hey, what's up, man. And sometimes they're going through hard times. And I got one that's going through a hard time right now with his wife. And I'm, I just try to shoot him a text every once in a while. Hey man, you good? How's, how's my troop doing? You need a first sergeant, you know, you need a chat. And that's essential to my being. And I'm glad that I got it back. And I'm glad that they gave it back to me. Mm. I, I was curious I figure out like eight things and then I end up with like 80 new questions (laughs) every time I talk to you. And the first time when we were introduced or reintroduced a couple of years ago, you know, luckily we like had a whole dinner here and like, you know, we spent a lot of time talking and then you came by the shop the next day and I was like, bro, like you got me thinking about all kinds of crazy shit. And one of the things that I was just relating to on this really weird level is I grew up in Los Angeles. I spent 35 years there. And so when we moved, it was the first time I moved away from this like core group of people. I had a lot of roots there and my family's out there, like people who have known me from birth all the way up through my entire like childhood and adult experience. And I left there like, I wonder how much of me is going to stick. Like how much of me is other people sort of inflicting me on me? because they expect me to be some kind of way because they've always known me to be this kind of way. Are they, are they stopping me from changing, growing, or are they adding to the growth? And I'll be damned. I've been here for 10 years now. And the people who add to the growth are still doing it today. Yes. Yeah. It, it just, it makes me wonder who I would be if I had stayed and still had all of that influence. Yes. Okay. That's, and I have, I've got two different, totally different questions in my head for you right now. It's cool. I'm going to say that leads me to, so I'm going to not call people out on this. So I'm going to speak very vaguely. I let's say this uh, in the few times that we have hung out, Mm -hmm. like uh, there's people around that knew you a long time before your accident. Absolutely. And one of them invited you here to spend the night at my house. And I didn't, I hadn't seen you since the accident. And he's like, yeah, but you know him. And I'm like, motherfucker, he doesn't know him. Like, 
And it seemed so odd to me that they were approaching you as the person you were. And then the last time you were here, someone essentially tried to invite themselves to your wedding. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And they looked at me and they're like, we've known him a long time. And my first response is fucking so. But my second response is he's met you twice. Like, think about it. Yes. So I'm curious how much, how much you've run up on that, on people sort of taking some entitlement to knowing you when they may or may not, and what your response to that has been. Great. Okay. So I have a great um, story. So shortly after the accident, uh, when we were starting to allow people kind of in, in, in the house and in the circle and stuff, right. To reintroduce themselves. There's two reactions. There's, there's people that are going to make it all about them. And then there's the people that really care for you and they're going to make it all about you. And the people that make it all about them are going to be like, Oh, well, we used to, we used to, we used to, and they're not going to be able to let go of what was. And those people weren't able to kind of re-enter my life because for one, they weren't present in my life because all they can talk about was, 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 was instead of what is. And then the other people, and I think Tim and you and maybe a dozen of people are like this is like, okay, we're going to start over because we know who you are at your core. I mean, yes, this is my, my hard drive. I can't connect it to get to the files, right? I can't get to these files of these stories of these times that we hung out, but they still exist. This is just, my body is a bunch of cells, right? It's cells and atoms and all of those things, I believe, exist in the space between. All those little electrons going around the atoms and stuff like that, it's frequencies, right? And the stories and the memories and the feelings are all just the energy pushing that stuff around. So at the end of the day, you're going to find your way back into the atom or you're going to disconnect and you're going to go off in your own orbit and that's okay because you were in my orbit for a minute and you're not now and if you truly want to be in my life presently in the person i am you'll find a way and if you're holding on too much to the past we're not going to be able to move forward because get back to the doctors right if i'm doing good everybody's happy if i'm not doing good i don't like that and i'm not going back to it I say all the time, I wish this were video just so that people could watch D in, in such great restraint, just visibly freaking out in the best kind of way because she's <laughs> she so is. to what people are saying. Well, and I mean, take it D because that is, we talk about that all of the time, potentially in every episode, because that is people's association to someone grieving. And when I came to you, like, would you be willing to tell your story? It was in the context of like, dude, you're, you're doing a bang up job, but like you got decades of a life that you have to grieve that you're still living. Like that's, that's a very unique experience, but the connective tissue in that is everything that you just said in your, the way you relate to your world. And then like it hurts me to it's that pain of watching other people try to like limp through your experience and your are my grief my grieving d's grief experience and people trying to gloss over it and i think that's why i took such offense to these people 
you know, that, that ownership they're taking with you of like, well, we've known him a long time. To me, that is extremely disrespectful of the experience you've had and the distance you've had to come and who you are now, like for people to make assumptions on that after any grief experience, it's really, it, it makes me a little mad. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> like, I'm so glad that you're here saying these things just because I often feel like I am a very squeaky wheel about folks not approaching someone else's grief with their bullshit and their expectations and their entitlement to us feeling better. Or, you know, you want me to feel better. That's great. Nobody wants to feel better more than me, but bitch, I got shit to do. I got to wait through all this shit before I can even talk about the joy that I can find in life. Like I got to admit to myself that this shit exists. This is hard. And I'm doing a lot. I'm processing a lot in order to even say, hey, ha- hey, happiness, you you look so sexy today. I'd love to be with you. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like they don't they skip over that whole thing of they're just like, I just want you to be happy. Well, that's cute. I love you. Go over there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because you're skipping over all the shit I have to go through just to even be in this room with you right now. Like, I got to deal with your shit on top of my shit. Yep. I don't have the energy for you today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, ultimately, it's just to make them feel better, like you were saying. It's just people showing up for them. And then they get offended. Like, to say that they showed up. Well, I tried tried to help. help. No, you didn't. You tried to make yourself feel better. That looks very different. That's the standard, though. That is the standard. It's like, oh, you just want somebody to feel better. So you you obviously remove them from the stressor. But you, there's some shit you can't remove people from. Yeah. That's the first thing. We all got to come back to this place where, like, and is a very powerful place to be. Yes. You want me to be happy. And I got all this shit to deal with before I can acknowledge what happiness feels like in me right now. But I've also experienced in this that. For instance, so again, there's the people that make them about themselves and the people that are there to actually right. do for you. But some of those people that are making about themselves also, that's part of their grieving process of mm-hmm. they lost that person and they want to be a part of that person's life again, don't really know how. So sometimes they're able to work through their stuff while I'm working through my stuff. And sometimes I'm working through my stuff and then not working through their stuff. So the paths just part. That's it. Right. right. And it's that simple. It's not even malicious most of the time. Like mm-hmm. What I find is that it's really not malicious. It's just like we're not on the same page. We ain't even in the same book. Like mm-hmm. you got to go do what you got to do. And I got to go do what I got to do. Yeah. And then, is- you know, the door is open. Maybe you could we could come back together some other time. But, you know, if we don't, we don't. Because, listen, I'm really good at grief right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at grief right now. If I got to <laughs> let you go, if I got to let you go and I actively know this, then that's what I'm going to do. I am going to let you go. And that's the difference between walls and boundaries. Walls, you know, keep us apart. But if I show you a boundary, I'm showing you where the door is and how you have to come back. Dude, please put that shit in writing and (laughs) podcast it for the rest of us. So one of the most fun thing about having amnesia is redoing stuff that you used to love to do, right? Your favorite movies, your favorite foods, 
all that stuff wow. is quite this amazing experience for the second first time. So when I when people are like, oh, you used to like this movie, you used to like that movie, I go back and I watch them, and I've probably only seen, let's pick one, probably from my childhood, Top Gun, the original. I've probably only seen it post accident two or three times, but do I know almost every line? Absolutely. Oh, that's funny. And all I these see. little what I call bumper <laughs> stickers. I don't even call them bumper stickers. Y'all got to go out, uh, read Green Lights. Matthew McConaughey wrote a book called Green Lights. And it's <laughs> just a process of, hey, it, yellows and reds are going to come up. But if you set up for the green, you're ready for the green. You hit that green light, ready to go. So he has bumper stickers all over that book. And everything I'm telling you right now is just a bunch of bumper stickers I read somewhere else. <laughs> yep. And Nietzsche or Confucius or yeah. Kant. Somebody said that before me. I am not special. No, I just you and know the rest how to of Yeah. <laughs> Listen, and we we love to do that here. <laughs> we love to do that here. Also, I love Top Gun. That was another film we just watched. I had to, you know, he had to watch the first one so that he could watch the second one. And so, you know, it's one of my favorite films <laughs> as well. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Rockheimer <laughs> just fun, makes fun exactly. movie. So it's good. a fun movie. Like I, I like to be entertained myself, and I don't, you, you know have this expectation that movies will be historically accurate because it's a y'all it's fun and neither will my quotes <laughs> and neither will my quotes my quotes will also, will also be willy-nilly that's right <laughs> just, i'm gonna get as close as i can and if i didn't write it down i'm sorry not sorry so that's the thing. I'll, I'll give you all a link to my my speech from my retirement ceremony and i i called it i heard somewhere because you can quote whoever and whatever you want, as long as you say, I heard somewhere and I love didn't it. directly quote anybody. Now I'm going to be the broken record on here. Like, so I somewhere, I heard, I, I had heard. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many of my life conversations start with, I like read it, or maybe it was a podcast or <laughs> yeah. Some YouTube, was it a Ted talk? Anyway, someone smart said, yeah, yeah. She's running together at this point. I mean, you know, um, gosh, thank you for your, just your love (laughs) and, and sitting with us. And it has been such a pleasure to like, get to know you right now in this place. And like, even having these strange, but sweet little connections with you. I feel like we could have been friends all this time. Are we friends now? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's yeah. part of why I was so excited about this yeah. interview because like every conversation I have with both of you I leave <laughs> like just a better person and with 5000 new things to to chew on. Same. So this is actually this is posed sort of I'm interested in hearing you guys discuss this. Mm. <laughs> because D has some knowledge about somatic trauma and trauma that's stored in the body. And we have, hopefully, I think someone coming on this season that's going to talk about um, a type of therapy to help release somatic trauma. And the last time you and I talked, Estevan, you were saying that there's some concern that you are storing trauma in your body for memories that you don't actually consciously have, which I, you know, a lot of us do, probably all of us do. You perhaps, you know, 
I think it's fair to say more so. Mm-hmm. So have you learned more about that? What are your thoughts and feelings on that? And do you go to? Cool. So <laughs> when I first had the accident, uh, I had a, a, a wonderful friend, her name's Joanna Montoya, and she started to give me acupuncture. And all my buddies who have had traumatic brain injuries in the past, and especially the ones that are, are dealing with pain are constantly telling me like, Hey, forget about opioids, like anything you can do, go holistic. And then when you um, retire, if you feel you need, we will introduce you to some of the cannabis that has helped us tremendously. So we really took the holistic approach from the beginning. And it's, it, it was effective because for one, acupuncture is the only thing that I have done consistently since the accident that has a hundred percent Every time I get it, I am feeling better. And I've also uh, been working with my current acupuncturist. And what we're doing now is I'm getting acupuncture every full moon. And that's what's keeping me on cycle. But going back to the holistic stuff, if I eat well, and if I exercise, and if I'm good to my body and what I'm putting into it, everything else is, is good too. I don't get the headaches from the TBI. I'm able to sleep better. I've been having a lot of sleep problems lately. I'm not positive how to resolve it, but um, I'm working on it, right? We, we try to figure out what works well, but yes, are there things in my being that I don't know about that are affecting me? I believe so. Absolutely. How to deal with them or mitigate them? I don't know. All I know is that if I am kind to my body and I am you know, you are what you eat and that means what you read and what you watch and who you talk to and all of those things. And as Mm. long as I'm consuming the right things and continuing conversations like these, I do very, very well. And it's sometimes, I don't even want to say the toxic people in my life, but the people that I can only take in certain doses because it's not good to have too much of anything good or bad living in that balance. Yes. Um, to get back to your question, there's definitely things in my being, whether it be in my muscles or my joints or my bones or my, or the space in between, which is way more enormous than any of those things. Um, I haven't explored it. I haven't explored how to try to release, so to speak with the exception of doing some breath work and the acupuncture. And it seems to be outstanding as far as I'm concerned in my recovery, everyone's going to be different. Sure. Everyone's going to be different. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that you have to be in alignment with it. And so you got a clean slate and I suspect that you are receptive to so much more information now than most people are. I mean, I couldn't have said it better doing being a bodywork practitioner, being like, you know, if you think of your body, as a map and all the things that have happened to you, like whether that's a physical impact, whether that's, you know, I don't mean, I don't want to get into people playing sports, um, you know, repetitive physical impact. There's things that happen to your body. Like everything affects our bodies. And like you were saying, being on the cycle with the moon, like it affects our bodies. We're part of this unit, y'all. We're not separate from it. So it makes hella sense that you are saying, um, and of course with that type of medicine, they are looking at that whole picture and saying, 
this is, this is affecting you here and your sleep patterns might be changing because you might be changing. Mm -hmm. So it might not be like something medically really going on. It's like your body, whatever time you're up, check and see what governor is it on? Like you're, you doing acupuncture? Ask them, what is that timing? And maybe we got to work on whatever that is, whether it's gallbladder, liver, whatever, because they have that clock on your body. Rhythm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we are separated from that more and more in this culture. And it's not media, it's people. People are doing this to each other. You know, like all this other stuff is superfluous. Like it's human beings doing this shit to each other. <laughs> like at the end of the day, there's no middleman here. And like you're not separate from it. And I think remembering that, like people are healing faster. You know, there are things that require more intervention i am not like against western medicine at all if my arm fall off i want y'all to put that shit back on mm-hmm. <laughs> we ain't finna pray that shit back together nope. you used to pray it <laughs> i want the one with the steadiest damn hands yeah yep. i want that line to be nice <laughs> don't be fucking around <laughs> like you know yeah. but there are time there's a time and a place and there's room for all of this stuff and i think like if we are working in conjunction we could be unstoppable yeah it's it's hard because it's impossible to change somebody's mind before you open it well everybody has a hard time with change change is a hard period but Mm -hmm. people who are not willing to even think about the possibility of change they're not going to be able to to be open-minded enough to to heal from something that they can't explain and that's what that's what they they get caught up on is the explanation and i mean i i do both sides you know i'm i i do the western medicine i do the eastern medicine. i was a medic like i put in ivs i used to do those things right like what am i going to be like oh no, i can't do that but it's it's the balance at the end of the day it's what is working for you what is not working for you are you paying attention to that are you evaluating that because that's the next thing they do is like okay i went to the doctor they gave me this pill i'm gonna take this pill okay is the pill working are you doing mm-hmm. better right are mm-hmm. you not doing better are you experiencing side effects what you, you know it's it's working like i think staying alive is a full-time job and oh yes it is we have so long given our essence over to somebody else and saying they know better than mm. me whereas when i go to the doctor the doctor is asking me what am i experiencing Two more bumper stickers. Hey. Life, <laughs> life is just a series of adjustments and nobody's going to take care of you better than you will. That's right. Hey, listen, and if you don't know yourself, how you process your emotions, how you process grief, how you process all of these things, some shit's going to get wild. For sure. And it starts turning into mood disorders. It starts turning into depression and anxiety and this and that and the other. When we are out of alignment, like our bodies are the first thing to tell us, you know, like even if a a child experiences divorce as a, like a little five-year-old. So for myself, as an example, I was five when my parents got a divorce. I used to get sick every like other day at school just so that I could see my dad because he was available to pick me up. I'm so sick. And then magically, I'm so much better after I get home and I'm hanging out with my dad. (laughs) You know, so it's it's something super benign 
but our bodies are telling us. I was literally in school with belly aching, <laughs> and they were calling the hospital. <laughs> they were like, Is she okay? And they were take her to the doctor. And when I got to the doctor, there was something wrong, mm-hmm. and they prescribed a thing for them, my parents, to do. Mm-hmm. But more immediate action was my dad coming to get me. Mm-hmm. I felt fine. I That's remember all the medicine you needed. That was the medicine you needed. Exactly. Exactly. So we can't undervalue ourselves. We can't just decide, oh, you know, the doctor knows better than me. Yeah, they have a degree. It's great. That's wonderful. You are with yourself 100% of the time. You are worthy of a degree in your own body. If you wait for somebody to tell you, (laughs) like, you know, my teeth hurt. Something is wrong. Yeah. My belly hurts. Something is wrong. Yeah. But you're the only one that knows that. Right. Then you got to convince everybody else something is wrong. This is what I'm experiencing. And we can't be guessing. Mm-hmm. And we, so we are have to, I, I feel like a lot of reconditioning needs to happen is us listening into our bodies, dropping in and doing that mindful check-in and saying, you know what? I have these headaches. I've been waking up at two o'clock in the morning. I wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. And this is why I feel so strongly about that combination of Western and Eastern medicine, because it's, it's a different approach Absolutely. and it's, it can be very effective. Yeah. Like self-correcting with food, with whatever, you, you know, I'm a fan of eating whatever the fuck you want to eat unless it's going to kill you. Me and my, uh, my future brother-in-law, um, there's a fat burger here in Espanola now mm. and they have this stupid challenge where if you eat the, the three patty, triple xl burger blah 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 and we're like we could do that <laughs> so i literally did that like an hour before this interview oh my so god I will, wonderful be, i will be that guy look at and you're fine <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah fine. Fine. you're and that's the thing it's like you were talking about moderation moderation yeah. uh, moderation tomorrow was, but i did it today <laughs> right this is yeah. not my everyday joint i'm not gonna do this every day I, I had a very good friend that used to say all things in moderation, including moderation, including yes. moderation. moderation, all things in moderation, especially tequila. Yes, we should do <laughs> questions. Absolutely. Okay. Welcome to our not so rapid, rapid fire questions segment. <laughs> should you choose to play? <laughs> right. But you're one of the few people that I talk to that asks me questions that I actually have to really think about. So I think you should have to answer them. Okay. That's totally random. Yeah, no, it's This <laughs> is how we do. Um, have you ever stolen a street sign? No, that, not to my <laughs> recollection. Yeah, <laughs> that's not fair. Oh. You can say that about all of them. Shit. Yeah, I could. <laughs> Good one. But yeah, well I don't. I don't believe I've stolen a street sign. Not in the last seven years. Not in the last almost eight years. Yes. I also have not stolen a street sign in the last eight years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't in the last twenty or so years, and it, I wouldn't say I stole it. It was just there, and needed to be removed from where it was, and we did that. Mm. And, you know, sure. It was. It was in the road. Somebody had taking it out and I was like oh that's a great sign and my friend's like let's go get it and I was like oh okay but we're doing a city of service (laughs) cleaning the streets streets. possession (laughs) is nine tenths the law see (laughs) 
what do you dip your chicken nuggets in? Inquiring minds want to know. Honey mustard. Sweet. Mm, sweet. I do all three. Ooh. I like this habanero sauce that I've been recently Mm-mm. getting. Yeah. I like this. Hurt, the food or, is not supposed to hurt. Or no. barbecue sauce. That's the guy from New Mexico? Yeah. Food is not supposed to hurt, says the guy that just ate some insane burger from Fat Burgers. Yeah, but it didn't have green chili in it. Oh, that's not fair. (laughs) So I heard somewhere that people who like that spicy, it's a pain sensation. It's not an actual taste sensation. I happen to like the taste of chili. I don't like it to be that hot, but that habanero sauce, it's got something sweet in it. So mm. like the balance in there is really lovely. So it's not straight up just habanero and it's hot and, you know, your asshole is going to fall off. It's not just a kink. Right. Mm. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's well-made. <laughs> it's, a, it's a well-made sauce. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's your favorite sandwich? sandwich oh that's really hard i am when it comes to food i am the worst critic because i kind of love everything mm. well, anything with like bacon and avocado that's my jam it's what i was listening to god i like so many sandwiches what's yours d uh a blt actually Shit. with avocados mm-hmm. and a bloody mary <gasps> yes with that habanero sauce <laughs> done done <laughs> make it happen next time i come down to new mexico it's gonna be yes flats it's gonna you be on flats. we are going to <laughs> orbit this world oh my gosh yes yep <laughs> yes we could have a little sandwich bar so you, we could try like different types of sandwiches too. well shit let's do a bloody mary bar while we're at it oh, well well of course that's like let's a make given. a day of it you You're know, like, there's duh. <laughs> libation. <Right>. That's the thing. <laughs> yes, we got the weed, we got the blats, we got the bloody marys. It's on and the conversation. <laughs> forget about it. Hey. Forget about it. We got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Hey, done. Listen, gonna carry on <laughs> the next day breakfast. And I- <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> Two breakfast. Forward to it. We yeah. got a brand new house, y'all. Come on over. <gasps> oh my gosh! You know. In Espanola, yes. Yes, ma'am. Oh, oh shit. Well, we'll come down shit. to your place and Adam and Dee can come up to your place and then Done. we'll just convene. Yeah, perfect. All right. On, on the new Party farm. In Estevans. Yeah. yeah. Next full moon. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're on acupuncture. This is just getting better. <laughs> Oh my God. Thank you so much for joining us. If anyone would like to challenge me on whether or not Estevan is one of the top 10 most interesting people on the planet after this, then you can suck it. Dude, there's no contest. (laughs) No contest. (laughs) Yeah, we're all all stardust. It's nothing special. We're all stardust. That's what that is. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, thanks. No, it was, it was fun. Let's do it again. I'm, I'm down anytime. I, yeah. I can chat with y'all any day of the week. You say when. Perfect. <laughs> oh my God. Don't tell me that. So same time <laughs> next week? 
<laughs> don't don't tell me that. <laughs> Season four, we're gonna have three hosts. Get ready. Yeah. No man. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, it's it. an Esteban sandwich. Let's go. Oh. <laughs> In the habanero. Yes. <laughs> and avocado. <laughs> Get off. We're about to get wild. <laughs> <laughs> Salud. <laughs>